everybody, welcome to the Women's Dating and Confidence Podcast. My name is Amber, and today I'm really excited to share an interview that I did with Dr. Lindsay Kite. Dr. Lindsay Kite and her twin sister, Dr. Lexi Kite, co-authored a book called More Than a Body, which I really loved. And I reached out to Dr. Lindsay to ask if she would do an interview and relate some of the concepts from her book to dating specifically. So we had a really great in-depth conversation about body confidence and how that relates to dating and how to feel confident throughout the entire dating process. Before we get into that, I want to share with you my free guide called Copy and Paste Texts for When He's Pulling Away or Acting Flaky. This is a communication guide for the early stages of dating. If you find somebody is acting a little bit off or pulling away or being a little bit flaky on your plans and you're not sure how to respond, this guide will be really helpful for you. The link is in the show notes and also in the bio of my Instagram page. My Instagram page is just my first and last name, Amber Grubenman. Also, if you are interested in the next coaching program from Dating to Exclusive, which is starting on March 1st, you want to make sure that you're on the wait list for that now so that you can get your spot ahead of everybody else and make sure that you can actually secure a spot. And then also you will get a discount as part of being on the wait list. So you just sign up on my website. The link is in the show notes and again in the bio of my Instagram page. All right, I'm really excited to share this interview with you. So let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to speak to you. I loved your book, More Than a Body, and I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself, your work, and um, how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad you love the book. Um, I'm Lindsay Kite. I run the nonprofit Beauty Redefined with my twin sister, Lexi Kite. Uh, We co-authored the book, More Than a Body, Your Body is an Instrument, Not an Ornament, um, which was published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt less than a year ago. So we're coming right up on the paperback publication by the end of the year, which will be exciting. Um, So we work together to help promote positive body image for women and girls. And we do it in a way that's a little bit different from a lot of other campaigns and approaches to positive body image, because our message isn't that all women are beautiful and that your flaws make you beautiful. Our message is that women and girls are more than just bodies. We're more than objects to be looked at. And when we can see more in ourselves and other people and really build up our body image resilience against objectifying messages in our culture, that's when progress will really be made individually and collectively. So everything we do is around that message. Um, Through online education, we do speaking engagements. Uh, We have for the last like 12 years all over the country and Um, we work to remind women and girls in particular that we're more than just bodies so we can see more and be more and move on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that I definitely noticed reading your book immediately is that your message was very different. It wasn't about by the end of this book, you're going to think you're the prettiest girl in the room in every room. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And actually I think sometimes that goal that we have to feel that way is counterproductive because then it just, when we do walk into a room, we're comparing ourselves and we're trying to measure up in some way. And so um, I didn't write the quote down, but I remember it sort of. So maybe you can um, correct me there. 
you're in your book, you said, um, knowing, feeling confident in your body is not about thinking that you're always pretty and beautiful. It's yeah. about knowing that your body is good, no matter what it looks like. Yeah, so that's exactly. very paraphrased. <laughs> yes. So the, the direct quote is positive body image isn't believing your body looks good. It's knowing your body is good, regardless of how it looks. So you yeah. summarized it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> good job. So yeah, can you tell me a little bit more about what it means for your body to be good? If we're not judging our bodies by what they look like, then how do I qual- how does my body qualify as good? Yeah, that's a good question because for so many of us, we've grown up evaluating our bodies based on how we think they look or the feedback we get from other people. And so this is inherently an objectifying way of viewing our bodies. We kind of view our bodies from the outside as outsiders looking in instead of people that inhabit our own bodies that are actually living inside our bodies as our homes, as our, you know, what we were born into, what we've grown up in, these same bodies. We look at like their projects, like their burdens that we kind of drag around with us that need to be fixed and that are so embarrassing. When your body is good, that doesn't mean that you think you look good all the time. That may be one element of it. Obviously, we're visible people. Um, we want to be attractive to the people that we care about. Um, we want to feel comfortable in our own skin, and that is definitely one element of it. Um, but it's a matter of like disentangling that from all of the ideals that have been so deeply ingrained in us our entire lives that tell us which bodies look good which bodies are worthy of love and help and happiness and success and everything else. Um, and disentangling that from our own ideas of what makes our bodies good and worthy. And it's a lot easier to feel good about your body if you're viewing it as an instrument for your use instead of as an object to be looked at and evaluated and consumed by other people. Um, so feeling like your body is good is feeling like your body is your home. And it's this dynamic thing that changes and evolves and isn't fully defined by how it appears on the outside or how anyone else thinks your body looks. Yeah. So one thing that you said there too was um, things that we've learned about the way that we need to look to be worthy of love. And I think that's a really great segue into what we're going to talk about today because today's topic is connecting um, your work with like being specific about dating and how our body image can be affected during the dating process, even from a young age. So I wanted to share just a short story about how this came up for me when I was younger, and then hear your perspective on what you've seen with people that you worked with and in your research. Great. So when I was 15, I had my first real relationship. (laughs) And um, I remember that he invited me swimming, which is interesting because that's one of the things you talked about in your book as well. And before we went swimming, I spoke on the phone with my best friend and I told her I was really nervous because I was worried that he would judge my body and that I wasn't sexy and beautiful enough. And she was like, are you kidding me? Said all the things that a friend should say. Yeah. And so we went swimming and it was okay. And then afterwards, um, and you know, we have to forgive him because he was a boy too. (laughs) Um, But after we went swimming, he like asked if I liked his body. And I was like, yeah, of course, you're really hot, all of that. And then I asked it back. I said, what do you think about the way I look? And he said, well, you're like normal, but not perfect. 
And (laughs) (laughs) so, um, at the, like when he originally said that it didn't impact me in that moment, but then that started playing in my mind. And at first it led to, okay, maybe I need to drop like five pounds. And I did that. But then every time I looked at my body, it wasn't perfect. It was still normal. And so I was like, okay, I know how to be perfect. Five more pounds, five more pounds. That led to disordered eating. It led to laxatives, um, starving myself, all of those kinds of behaviors. And then he broke up with me. By the time that I'd lost like a bunch of weight and was the skinniest that I had ever been. Yeah. So um, that was obviously a long time ago. Thankfully, through the help of so many people, I recovered from that and feel so much better about my body. But I do think like there's that at that age, but there were also so many experiences that I had in dating and relationships um, later in life, just like little comments people would make and um, just that overarching feeling of like, I need to look a certain way to be worthy of love. So I'm really curious, is this something that you hear a lot from women that you've worked with as well? Yeah. Well, number one, I'm so sorry that you dealt with that. Um, Regardless of what it was triggered by, obviously, that's a a dumb kid who said a dumb thing. Um, But I'm sorry that you experienced so much, you know, shame and self-harm that went along with it. It's very familiar, very, very familiar. Um, I've heard countless examples of stories like that. I think for a lot of people, it is sometimes triggers like that that come up in in romantic relationships, in pursuing dating relationships that first kind of um, tip us off to the idea that we don't quite look right, that we don't quite live up to the ideals that men or people of whatever gender or sex we're attracted to are interested in. And I think what it reveals is just how insidious our ideals of perfection really are. Like for that boy, when he asked you what you thought of his body, you weren't comparing him to the most perfect male ideal you could come up with. And then, you know, saying whether or not he matched up to that, you were just saying, yeah, you're, you're, you're hot. You look great. You know, I'm attracted to you. And that's what you would expect back. But instead what you got is a comparison to an ideal you never asked to be compared to. And that's true for every woman in our culture. We live in this society that has created such a particular ideal about which bodies are not only normal and healthy and acceptable, but which bodies are worthy of love and um, desirability and attraction and everything else. So he, uh, he articulated exactly how pervasive those ideas are because you weren't asking if you were perfect. You were asking if he liked you. And he couldn't disentangle the idea of what he liked from what society's perfect ideal was. And as individuals, we all need to do that. Like this isn't just a man problem or a woman problem. This is an everybody problem. The problem is really that in our society, we, uh, we <clears throat> value women for how they look, for how they appear. That's how we get our own self-worth. <clears throat> our self-worth drops when we don't feel like we look good enough. Um, when we compare ourselves to ideals that are completely unreachable. But for men, they get to be valued for lots of different things. So like he was cute, but you probably didn't just like him because he was cute. You probably liked him because he was funny and cool and smart and athletic or whatever things that you valued in him. 
Um, but unfortunately, women are held to one standard, and that standard is based on how we appear um, and how consumable our bodies are, how sexually desirable they are. Um, that sinks into our self-perceptions and our self-worth, and we become our own surveyor. We become our own like objectified male perspective on our own bodies in our own minds. We look in the mirror and we're thinking, how would a man look at me? How would my sexual partner look at my body while we're in bed together instead of really being in your own mind and being present? So um, this dynamic, I think, is really familiar and really unfortunate. And one of the things that I think it reveals is not just the harmful ideals that are so pervasive in our society, but it's um, how freely sometimes people feel like they can comment on our bodies and whether they live up to the ideals. And that alone should be something that is so unacceptable to us as women. And instead, we take it and internalize it and hold it against ourselves. We don't treat it like it's a him problem. We treat it like it's an us problem. And unfortunately, what we've got to do is be able to build our, our resilience, our body image resilience, to the point where we hear the objectification in what that person said. We hear that it's not about how, um, you know, what kind of a connection we have and, and what kind of chemistry we have and what kind of attraction is there. It's simply an objectifying remark that reduces us to something that is less than human, that compares us to an ideal that is designed to be unattainable and effectively limits the type of connection we would even be able to have as human beings. When you hear a man say something like that, you reject the man, not your own body. Like really, those types of things should be so unacceptable to us that we don't turn it against ourselves, against our own bodies, but we turn against the people who, you know, want us to feel bad, who would have us be embarrassed to the point that we end up fixing our bodies instead of um, like really reconnecting with our bodies. It's so harmful and so many people don't know about it. Um, and so it's got to be uh, this thing where women are able to have enough self-worth to know that we are not defined by how we appear. And so we can't be completely torn down by comments about how we appear. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, like for the sake of the interview, I shortened that story a lot. And it was oh, like sure. one comment that took me down. Um, yes. But like you said, I was so primed for yes. it because the body image thing started when I was like nine. Mm -hmm. And from all the magazines that I read and the media, and you go really into depth on this topic in your book. Yeah. So by the time that comment hit from somebody in real life that I actually cared about, that I whose approval I wanted and that I wanted an experience with, I was not resilient because I hadn't been raised to be resilient by media and by all of the things that I was consuming. Exactly. So, um, yes. It sounds like in your book, that was one of the main steps that you advise people to take is to start to change their surroundings in terms of the media that we consume. Yes. Yes. So I want people to really take inventory of their body image environment. So like you said, you had all of these things that shaped the way you perceived your body. And it's the magazines that you read that, that painted a really particular ideal about what your face and your body and your hair and everything else has to look like in order to be acceptable and valuable and healthy and all that. Um, it's also the interpersonal interactions that we have. So like a comment that a boy makes about your body, a comment that your parents make, your grandparents, whoever, like you've got classmates that are commenting on their own appearance or on yours, that all shapes 
the way you perceive your own body. It creates the dynamic that you have with your own body. And so when you think about curating that environment, think about the social media, the entertainment media, everything that you are exposed to that you have control over, but also think about the kinds of people that are in your life and the ways they are molding your environment to be something that could be good or it could be really bad for how you view yourself. Um, it can be really dangerous to be surrounded by people who are so immersed in that objectification. Like we call it the waters of objectification in our book because it is everywhere. There are so many different messages in our culture that remind women our bodies are the most important thing about us. And it's not always the really explicit advertisements that are like, you know, lose this much weight and then you'll love your body or you'll be beautiful and whatever. Sometimes it's just never seeing a body that looks like yours represented positively in a movie or any of the mainstream TV shows or whatever. Um, and sometimes it's not interacting with people who value body diversity and who feel positively toward you as a whole human being as opposed to just what you look like. So we've got to be really proactive about the types of people we're engaging with and the media messages that we're taking into our lives so that we can be exposed to all types of body diversity so that it becomes normal um, and also be exposed to any types of messages that are valuing women as more than just bodies. It's not just about who's beautiful and who's not or how to look beautiful or whatever. It's about valuing people for who they are and what they do so that you get this expanded sense of self. That is a huge step toward building your resilience against objectifying messages. Yeah. Okay, great. So let's say that somebody starts taking these steps and they're becoming more resilient and then they start dating. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So um, what would your response be to somebody who says, like, I'm doing a lot of that work to feel okay on my own. But once I enter dating, I feel like most people around me still have those objectifying thoughts and perceptions. And at the end of the day, I feel like dating would be easier if I look different. And it kind of goes back into like, if yeah. I fix myself, I'm more likely to find love. Oh my goodness. What a relatable question. Like that is something that so many people deal with. I think there are a bunch of different ways I want to approach that question because it is so relatable. It's one that I've gotten a lot. It's one that I've grappled with myself. Like I'm 36. I'm single. I live in New York City. I date very regularly. This is a question that is right on top of my mind. And I will say just personally, I went a few years where I wasn't really dating because I didn't want to expose myself to uh, like appraisal from men. I had done so much work on myself. Like obviously this has been my life's work, helping people build their body image resilience and see themselves as more than just bodies. And it's one thing to do that on your own. And it's one thing to open yourself up to the risk of connecting with someone else romantically. Because part of that does, it, it rests on physical attraction. And unfortunately, physical attraction in our culture has been warped and twisted and distorted into something that looks more like media ideals, not just perfectly natural preferences that people are born with. They are very much learned preferences and ideals, um, and more so for men than for women because those ideals are so um, unanimous. There's so much uniformity in what women's bodies look like in media, especially in pornography, especially in the media that we all grew up with that really shaped our 
core values and sense of self and all of that. And so a lot of men do have really particular ideals for what women need to look like. Um, fortunately, those can be unlearned. And also, we don't need to engage with the people who reinforce those really harmful ideals because we won't be in happy relationships with those people either way. Mm-hmm. I know the temptation to say that I need to fix my body or fix my appearance in a certain way in order to be worthy of love or to have more dating options. But that doesn't mean you're going to have better dating options. It just means you're going to have more. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways, being in a body that isn't totally ideal and living up to the typical thin beauty standards and white beauty standards and young beauty standards and everything else that exists out there and curvy standards, all of that um, kind of helps you narrow down the dating pool to get rid of some of the guys who are purely there for the physical, Mm -hmm. because those aren't relationships that we're ultimately looking for or that will ultimately make us happy or lead to lasting connection. And if you're really looking for lasting connection, I think showing up in the body that you currently have using realistic photos on the apps, if, since that's how a lot of people are meeting these days, and being willing to stand up for yourself and to not accept less than what you deserve is the baseline. It is the first step. We've got to be able to do enough work on ourselves. I'm not saying you've got to love your body and you've got to you know, be so resilient and feel perfect and and you know, think the greatest things about yourself before you're willing to go out there and, and put yourself up for dating situations and potential connections. I am saying that you need to be willing to not let men's preferences and men's ideals shape how you feel about yourself because you are already more than a body. And what you are bringing to a relationship is so much more than just your body. And so if a man is just looking for a body, you're not the right person for him anyway. And he's not the right person for you. And so this being able to just show up as you are, I think can be really empowering. It can be, it can narrow down the pool to people who are more realistic, more serious and looking for a human being instead of just a perfect body to consume. I don't want to deal with those people anyway. Yeah, totally. And I think, um, you can kind of feel on some level if somebody primarily values you for the way that you look. Totally. And then even though that might be validating at first, if you do enter a relationship with that person and that was like a core piece of why they chose you, yeah. that will often lead to insecurity down the road because you're, the way you look changes all the time. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I love that you shared on your Instagram too was um, – just this quote of you, you don't owe your partner, your younger body. Right. So I feel like that really speaks to how our bodies can change and how, if so much of our connection with somebody is based on that, then we will grow in our insecurity as time goes on with that person. If that was the foundation of it. Definitely. And that's not to say that physical attraction and sexual attraction isn't the first thing that people notice and look for Like that really is one of the foundational things that we need in a relationship. And we shouldn't compromise in huge ways on that. You want to have that physical attraction with your partner. And people can be attracted to a huge variety of different bodies and faces of different forms. It's, it's something that for, unfortunately, we feel like for women, women need to look one certain way in order to be just normal, to be accepted by men. But that's not true because it turns out men 
like a huge variety of different faces and bodies and shapes and everything else. And we are doing a disservice to ourselves and to men when we completely opt out of romantic relationships because we, we assume that we are not good enough and that men won't like us. A lot of that is a myth. There are certainly a huge percentage of guys that only want women who look a certain way. And also they're looking for bodies. They're not looking for real humans to engage with on a real human level. Um, there are, there's also a huge percentage of people who are looking to engage in a significant way with a person and, and to have that initial chemistry, yes, but men have preferences that are all over the map. And so there are, it's not like you need a thousand people to be attracted to you in order to find a really great relationship with one person. Um, There was something else you said that I wanted to comment on as well. Oh, it was that in your story that you told at the beginning, I noticed you said you you lost a bunch of weight and he broke up with you. And so the weight loss, the achieving the perfect body is not a way to guarantee that you stay in a happy relationship. Men cheat on supermodels all the time. They cheat on people with perfect bodies all the time. Um, And not even just cheating and not just like bad choices on the part of men, but relationships aren't built just on, you know, physical chemistry. There's so many other things that go into all of the other hours of the day. And so it requires so much more than just looking good. And if it is based on just that physical chemistry, it's going to, you know, change either way because he's going to see someone that he likes a little bit better um, or some other dynamic will change in the relationship that makes things difficult. And then why would you power through something that's difficult if it was just based on the physical? So we feel like, so there's this narrative in our culture that if we can perfect our bodies, then our lives will improve then we will have the good things that we want, whether it's help, body confidence, overall self-esteem, romantic relationships, whatever it is, we are sold from every angle that once our bodies are in line, then our lives will be in line. And that is a myth. It is a myth that we need to break down every single day because it's so deeply ingrained in how we think about our lives. And it's not true. And you know it's not true because when you're the thinnest or you know the most beautiful by really strict standards in our culture, it doesn't mean you're the happiest. It doesn't mean you're having the most fulfilling relationships. It just means you're the skinniest. And maybe you are obsessed with what you're eating and with you know how much exercise you're getting every day or when you're going to be able to stay inside all day because you've got to purge what you've eaten from the weekend before. It is, there is no correlation between looking good and feeling great about your body because people who look good according to society standards are still depressed, are still you know, still have cancer, still struggle with self-harm and disordered eating, still get cheated on or still lonely, all of these things. And we've got to, we've got to break that line that we think there's this straight arrow from looking good to feeling good. It's just simply not true. And the same holds true for romantic relationships. Yeah, definitely. And um, one thing that I was just thinking of as well is from my experience with friendships, just like girlfriends that I know and seeing them dating. And then also with clients who, of course, like every range of client in terms of looks. Um, There was one girl that I met years ago, specifically that I just remembered right now. And she was a bigger girl. And um, she was like the most confident person I'd ever met in my life. (laughs) And when I think about it, her, like she's in an amazing relationship. She traveled the world. She was a dancer. She did so many things that were amazing. 
And I met her when she was single though. And then I saw that she was in a relationship. And um, when I think about her confidence, it never seemed like her confidence was like, I'm so hot. Like that was not the confidence. It was actually more related to some of the concepts that you share in your book, which was like her underlying belief was, I love life and I'm deserving of every awesome experience mm. here. And so she did so many amazing things and was she just seemed so fully expressed in terms of her connections with people and experiences that she was having and um hobbies that she would try and dances that she would do and she like would win hip hop competitions and like oh, I love all it. of this amazing stuff. So it's like no surprise by like being that person that you would then meet somebody who's attracted to that energy. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I love that example. Yeah. I think that's important because you did say um you don't have to get to a place where you think you're perfect physically. Yeah. Like you're you have the perfect body, you love the way you look all the time. But I do think that, um, and what a part of what you help with in the book is like teaching people how to get to more of that bigger confidence that is so much more than your body. Yes. As you start to expand your sense of self outside of how you appear, it is so much easier to have that big confidence that can carry you through all these situations. And I love that example you shared so much because it is so true. Like it is I think it's one of the best kept secrets or maybe like it's a terrible secret to be kept that fat people, people of all shapes and sizes have really great lives. We're so bought into this myth that thin people have the good lives and fat people are just trying to get thin so they can have good lives that, you know, to be fat is to have a really rough, difficult time and to not be able to, you know, have all the good things that we're looking for in this world. And that's not true. Yes, there are certain barriers that come with being fatter. Not as many people are going to be sexually attracted to you. Do you need a million people to be sexually attracted to you? No, absolutely not. We've been taught that part of our self-worth should come from this feedback and validation from other people. And it just, it simply doesn't need to. And when it doesn't depend on what anyone else thinks of you or when what the general public thinks of your body, it's so much easier to be more deeply rooted in your sense of self, who you are, your meaning, your purpose, everything you bring to the table, regardless of how you look, or in addition to how you look, if that's one element of your sense of self that you value, which a lot of women do. I, I think it's so incredible to share stories of people who break those molds and break those boundaries and have incredible lives and relationships, especially these romantic dating relationships that we're talking about now that everyone is seeking, everyone wants. And too many of us have been taught that our big barrier to love is just not having our bodies ready yet. Mm -hmm. And that is such an artificial barrier because love does not depend on having a body that looks right. It to get out in the dating pool, you don't have to have your ideal body, whatever you think that is. Even if you think it's realistic, it's only 10 pounds from now, or it's only like one procedure away from now, or once I get my skin cleared up or get my hair in line with whatever I, I think it should be. It's always like these little artificial barriers because then we feel like we'll be worthy. You qualify right now for love, romantic love, sexual love, like whatever it is that you're looking for that you feel like your body is your barrier against, you already qualify for it. And I promise that as we push through those myths, as we kind of break through these barriers that have been put in front of us or that we've set up for ourselves, we figure out how possible it is 
to be confident, to be happy, to get out of our comfort zones. And by breaking through our comfort zones, feel much better about our lives, our bodies, ourselves, what we bring to the table. We really do have to get out of our comfort zones to be able to find out any of those things about ourselves. And like staying in the body shame zone, like in the book we talk about as our comfort zone life raft, like your your body image, you're floating in the sea of objectification, you're self-objectifying, thinking about your appearance all day long, we're hiding, we're fixing, and clinging to these uncomfortable comfort zones that don't really bring us any lasting safety, but they're all we know. We have to be able to kick away from those to be able to figure out what we don't already know, which is that our lives and our relationships could be better, could be incredible right now, regardless of how we look. Yeah. And I love that term, uncomfortable, comfortable, com- bleh, uncomfortable comfort zones, because yes. <laughs> that really <laughs> describes it well. Um, and one thing that you shared there too was um, like the topic of feeling not only worthy of love, but also sexual connection and feeling mm-hmm. sexy. And um, that makes me think of one of my former clients. And one of the first things that we spoke about was her not feeling like she looked the way that she needed to look and that she didn't feel sexy. She was like, I can be anybody's friend, but I'm not like the sexy girl. Mm -hmm. And um, that really changed for her after we had this conversation because I was like, well, listen, do you ever feel like you want to have sex with somebody? And she was like, yeah, like, do you feel desire in your body? I was like, that's sexy. Like, that is what makes you sexy is feeling sexual energy within yourself. And that like completely shifted her like definition of what it means to be sexy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she started really like enjoying that expression of herself and making it more about like how she feels internally with somebody instead of like what they must be thinking of her looking at her. Yep. Oh, you've just articulated the perfect pivot to that because sexy has been stolen from women. It has been turned into something that women look like, that something that, you know, how women appear instead of how women feel and what women do and what women experience. Like women's sexuality has been turned into something that can be seen from outside our own bodies. And that is not the case. That's actually something that inhibits our sexuality it inhibits the pleasure that we feel when we're engaging in intimate moments with people. And it's doing all of us a huge disservice, men and women. And so when you can take back your own sexuality and your own feeling of sex appeal and make it something that you feel, you inhabit, you engage with instead of just how you appear to somebody else, am I sexy to this person? Then you take that power back. It gets to be something that you dictate, that you get to enjoy instead of that someone else enjoys in you. And I think that's really empowering. Like one of the really tough things um, in this whole conversation is this idea of self-objectification, that women grow up in this objectifying environment. The camera pans up and down women's bodies in all of our favorite TV shows, zooms in on our parts. The dialogue revolves around how women appear, what men think of women. Like this happens in cartoons. This is the baseline standard. And we only see women who look certain ways represented in a positive light. So all of this creates this environment where we learn to view ourselves through men's eyes, through a sexualized male perspective. 
And we turn that against ourselves. It gets used against us specifically in terms of sex because we are taught this one specific view of how a sexy woman looks. And then none of us feel sexy when we're compared to that. None of us feel sexy when we are hovering above our bodies in a cloud of anxiety, wondering what he's thinking as he looks at me. How do I look from this angle? Oh no, is my stomach scrunched up in this way? Do my thighs look fat? You know, all of these things that we are imagining that our partner is thinking about us when they are not, they are not thinking those things. And when we can get back inside our own bodies to focus on what we want, what we are feeling, what's sexy to us, that, that brings this whole new level of connection and this whole new level of enjoyment that is just simply not possible when we are hovering outside our bodies watching us for how we appear. Yeah. And um, just last example <laughs> that I'll share. These are all just coming up now as you're I love it. sharing this. So um, I had a friend uh, many years ago and we were in this woman's circle and we were sharing our thoughts and feelings as women do. And um, we were talking about how comfortable and beautiful we feel in our bodies. And this woman in particular did not feel very confident in her body Later that evening, the topic of sex came up and she shared how she was like very confident sexually and felt very comfortable in the bedroom. And I was really confused because in my mind, those two things were like one in the same. Yes. Like how beautiful do I look and how sexy do I feel in the bedroom? Yeah. And so I asked her, I was like, well, how do you feel like you said you feel really uncomfortable in your body, but then you said that you feel really comfortable and confident sexually. And she was like, Oh, well, I just figured that's not really what he's thinking about. <laughs> so Which I think, true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, Oh, that's a really interesting concept. Like she, like her confidence is not coming from that. She's not in that perspective of like watching herself or, yeah imagining that he's watching her in that way it's like we're focused on other things there are other things that are more right. going there on. are other ways to tell if this sex is enjoyable than whether <laughs> he's telling you you look hot you know yeah. like, <laughs> that that's a really great example i love that when we can just you know enjoy an experience as opposed to uh how someone else is experiencing us from afar that it just it changes the whole dynamic and it also increases your ability to connect with another human in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So other than immediately buying your book, <laughs> what is the first step that you would suggest to women who are listening to this that want to feel more confident in dating as it like specifically relates to feeling comfortable and confident in their bodies? That's a great question. Um, this is something that I am constantly practicing. So yes, I agree with your suggestion to buy the book. <laughs> I think that is a great primer to help you just get a better sense of self and how to improve your body image and build that resilience. Um, because building your resilience, I think, is really key in these situations where there is kind of an elevated risk that we might be rejected, we might, be, uh, we might not have the connection that we wish we did or whatever. Um, that, for a lot of us, when we don't have our our body image resilience muscle really, you know, built and able to be flexed, then we might blame our bodies in those situations. If we go on a first date and he doesn't text again or call again, a lot of us might say, well, 
he just, you know, he thought I was too fat. He didn't think I was beautiful enough. Mm-hmm. Um, when in reality, that may have nothing to do with it. Um, there are so many other factors that are involved, but we reduce ourselves to bodies in these situations. We blame our bodies for so many of the difficulties that we go through in life that are actually just kind of part of the human experience. Like everybody isn't for everybody. The connection isn't going to be there with any person you meet, regardless of how you look. And so I think it's a matter of building that resilience to the point where we don't feel so defined by our bodies. So we don't blame our bodies when something totally unrelated, you know, dings our confidence in some way. Um, I would say one thing I mentioned a few minutes ago is to push through those, those barriers, the limitations that you feel in your head. So if part of your um, reservation against dating is because you don't think you look good enough, I would encourage people to not only like read the book and try to expand that sense of self, but also to just push through that barrier enough to put yourself out there whether that is being on the apps and if you're on the apps, being willing to meet up with someone face-to-face, um, it might be putting more realistic or current pictures of yourself, unfiltered, uncropped pictures of yourself on the apps so that you're not nervous to show up on a first date because you do look like that. Like you're not, you know, selling someone a false picture of what you might look like. I think that makes it so much easier to meet up with people when you know that they know what you look like. They know what they're in for. That, that is um, a huge step in the right direction for people who have maybe been wanting to get more matches or more likes, regardless of whether it's really realistic and mm-hmm. what they really look like or not. Um, another thing is to use your body as an instrument instead of looking at it as an ornament. So a lot of us who feel bad about our bodies, we get in this cloud of anxiety where we're self-objectifying, we're Um, we're hiding, we're fixing, we're opting out of opportunities and situations where we might actually have a really good time. And when we do that, we are preventing ourselves from being able to figure out if we would be happy, if we would be accepted, if we would find a good connection, because instead we're staying home and, you know, eating in front of the TV or running on the treadmill or self-harming or whatever else it may be. Like, look at the ways that you're coping. When you're coping in ways that are harmful or keep you in the same cycle of hiding and fixing and and maybe feeling okay for a minute, but then getting uh, triggered again and then hiding and fixing some more, then that should be a sign to you that what you've been doing may not be working, especially if you're doing that in service of trying to be you know, qualified to go on dates and to get out there or to have sex with somebody or whatever it is that your goal is. Um, instead, when you actually do the things, when you go out there in person, you get on the apps, you meet people face to face, you go to a bar and sit there and, and make conversation with somebody. Those are the opportunities where you learn what you're really capable of. And it, it might be difficult. It might not yield the exact results that you wanted, but it, it literally is the only way to expand your sense of self and get yourself out of your comfort zone to the point where you could form a connection. Like, don't, don't tell yourself that it's not possible just because you don't look a certain way. You don't know that. So figure out that actually that's wrong because you can look around and see people who look a huge variety of different ways, who have happy relationships, awesome sex lives, are living like big, meaningful lives. And we all have access to that if we are simply willing to put ourselves out there instead of hiding and fixing. Yeah. Yeah. So one really important thing I heard there was 
just noticing that habit even of Mm -hmm. immediately making your body the first thing to blame in all dating situations. Um, Even just that awareness alone, I think would be really powerful for for people. And then also not waiting until your body changes to put yourself out there in dating and like stretching that comfort zone. I think that's so important because just recently I had a client before we started working together, she messaged me on Instagram and said, Hey, I really want to start dating and I'm interested in your program, but I gained some weight during COVID and I'm wondering if maybe I should like lose weight before I start dating. And cause I just don't feel right. I don't feel myself. And, um, part of what I told her was no matter what weight you're at, there's a group of people that are attracted to you. Absolutely. And then like every time you go up in weight or down in weight, you're disqualifying people either way. And if you gained like 15, 20 pounds in COVID, there might be some people (laughs) that were more attracted to you when you were 20 pounds lighter, but I guarantee you there's still a large group of people that are still attracted to you now. Um, So I do think a lot of people are like pushing off dating for that reason and perfecting themselves and wanting to fix themselves first. Um, And then what you said as well, that's so important, which is to the more that you hide and pretend and fake things, the more it really like, um, like integrates that idea in yourself that something's wrong with you. Yeah, you do need to look a different way in order to be attractive to people. And then you're always doubting if people are really into you on the apps, if they do match you, and then you're nervous. So those are some really great first steps for everybody. It's a it's a big complicated thing. But honestly, if people will take those simple steps of building their sense of self worth outside of how they appear, and of being willing to put themselves out there to engage with people in a realistic and like vulnerable human way, we just give ourselves opportunities to get what we want instead of prematurely disqualifying ourselves for reasons that we are, you know, completely buying into myths in our culture. Sorry, there's such a loud siren outside. No worries. <laughs> um, great. So other than having people uh, buy your book, was there any other way that you would like them to connect with you or any other resource that you would like to share with them? Yeah, definitely find us on Instagram. We're at beauty underscore redefined. Um, we post a lot of our you know research and online education type of stuff there and our activism side of things. Um, you can find our online course at morethanabody.org. We have an eight-week online course that we offer. Um, I recommend people buy the book first and read that. And if you kind of like the format of that and what we're doing, then the online course could be a good option. Um, That's probably the main ways for people to engage with us. We do speaking engagements pretty regularly. um, And so that's always a good way to engage with, you know, corporate groups or schools or whatever it may be. So um, if you have a group or somebody that would be interested in hosting an event, you can reach us through our website at morethanabody.org. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining me today. Of course. Thank you.